to Apocalypse is Now, the podcast where Morgan and I watch the end of the world over and over again. I'm Ron. I'm Morgan. And today we have a guest with us. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Aaron. I have known Ron for the sum of his life and the sum of Morgan's life as well. Yeah, Aaron is a wonderful, wonderful friend of mine. Uh, we've been friends since high school. And he actually, we recorded an episode together before formulation of apocalypse is now so this is the return aaron do you want to explain the premise of the podcast to the audience the premise of the podcast is that we talk about the movie that we just watched sorry i can i sorry morgan morris from uh apocalypse now news so we watch the same movie every time yes i believe honestly it would wrong. be crazy. <laughs> wrong. Hold on. What do you mean you don't watch Pacific <laughs> Rim <laughs> 17 times in a row? <laughs> yes, that's what we're talking about this week. Pacific Rim. No, that's not true. We're talking about Melancholia. Melancholia. Lars von Trier. Yeah, the 2011 apocalyptic drama art film. Uh, starring Kirsten Dunst, Charlotte Gainsbourg, Kiefer Sutherland, Alexander Skarsgård, and other people. And another, more Skarsgård. The double yeah, Skarsgård. Stellan, Stellan Skarsgård, yeah. Skarsgårds. Skars, Skars is guard. Uh, <laughs> I think that's how you pluralize that. The, the Skarsgårdians? The, the Skarsgårds. Yes, the Skarsgårdians. <laughs> the Skarsgårdians of the galaxy. There we go. That's what I'm that's, talking about. Not a bad title for this movie. Uh, Aaron, as the guest, would you like to the privilege of describing briefly the premise of Melancholia? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, listen. Here's the, here's the back of the book explanation, all right? A girl with what I'm assuming is the most one of the most extreme cases of manic depression. Bipolar disorder? I don't know. She's having I would a just wedding. say clinical depression. I didn't yeah. see. Okay, fine, I, didn't fine, see fine. I didn't see much mania. I, I don't say. know, man. She she did some things that she were did like some that's mania. not. Yeah, there was some. Okay, <clears throat> she had a wedding, and then a little while later, a planet hit the Earth, and everybody died because Earth, you know, shattered. That's the premise. But see, what I've I've accomplished this in roughly ten seconds, uh, but somehow it took two hours and 15 minutes for them to get to that point uh and a lot of stuff happened i'm not gonna yeah that's both, the back of the textbook okay <laughs> both a lot of stuff happened and also and not much nothing. happened <laughs> so, so like um, this so isn't many your things typical, and so little things <laughs> this isn't your grandma's apocalypse movie and i want to explain no, how we no. got to choose this movie is because i approached Aaron to come on the podcast and i said hey Aaron, oh you want to come God. on the podcast he said sure yeah sure sure of course and i was like okay i'm thinking rise of the planet of the apes and he goes everyone's done rise of the planet of the apes i was like okay what about cloudy with a chance of meatballs he was like 
a kids what? movie? You want me to watch a kids movie? I said, okay, then I will give you the most adult apocalyptic I didn't film. Say, in I, okay, look, 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 look. I didn't say a kids movie. The planet didn't even fucking end. All right. Oh, fighting so with a chance of meatballs. We're getting right? into the see. We're very loose about our apocalypse definition. So no, we are not loose. We defined <laughs> it. <laughs> there, you you go back to episode two, audience. <laughs> is uh oh, the by the right way, here. is uh cursing okay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. <laughs> Fuck okay. yeah. Ron Ron brief it, yeah. briefly wanted it to be a family friendly podcast, but that didn't last very long. <laughs> Did not last Ron, very long. No. Come on. We watch we apocalypses. Gotta, we just gotta live with the little E on our <laughs> on Spotify. Oh uh, man. This movie <sighs> was yeah, the end I think the end of this movie is the worst I've felt af- after one of our viewings. That's yeah. what I was going to say, guys. I was going to say, I was like, how do you do a comedy podcast after it's movies like this? not quite this bad. Because here's the thing. The, the sadness did not start at the end with this movie. This was two <laughs> hours and 15 minutes of people being awful and sad. And then yeah. the world ended. Plus, Usually it's like... People being at least a little bit okay for like an hour and a half and then the world ends. <laughs> I think for me, there was a saturation point of sadness where it became almost comical or I, I was like when it showed uh Kirsten Dunst's uh moon bathing nude and then that swell of orchestra came. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I was like, whoa, dude. this is so intense. And she was, she, she's so, okay. So audiences, uh, Kirsten Dunst plays a, the, the depressed woman that Aaron is talking about. And in the second half of the film, she's staying with her sister and brother-in-law and their son. And she is so intensely depressed at this point. Like she can't even take a bath by herself. And her sister says, I'm going to surprise her with meatloaf. She loves meatloaf. And she's like, <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> as you do, as you do. Uh, naturally. Hey, yeah. Guess what? Justine, Justine's her name, the depressed sister. Um, Justine, I made you meatloaf. And Justine's like, meatloaf? And she starts eating it. And then her smile slowly disappears. And she goes, it tastes like ashes. She spits out the food too. She's like, and then she starts crying and she says that it tastes like ashes. I was going back and forth so much. I was like, is she this way because they know the world's going to explode from another planet hitting it? Or is this vanilla Justine? Is this every single day Justine? I read it as that like, she is a clinically depressed person. Mm-hmm. that now this thing is happening at, because here's the thing like once she actually knows like that the planet is for sure gonna hit she yeah. actually turns into like the most chill person in the whole <laughs> yeah. movie about it 100%. yeah the kid like asks like are you sad because like you're afraid of the planet and she's like if you think that you're dumb basically is what she says <laughs> yeah um <laughs> So I read it as like she is she's just a clinically depressed person, but now this thing is happening and it's making it worse. But also it like flips over into this thing where she's just like, well, I've been catastrophizing for forever, so I'm actually pretty chill with this. 
that's how I read it. Yeah, yeah. That was vanilla. Vanilla Justine took a bite of meatloaf and spit it out and started crying <laughs> and said it, it tastes, tastes like, like ashes. ashes. That's just her. That's run of the mill character. That's crazy. Okay. That's crazy I to un- me. I understand now. I was going to ask what difference that would make. But if it's like the planet's influence, then it almost it it changes the vibe of it, I guess. Well, yeah. if she well, if she knew that the world was going to end at that point and she takes a bite of meatloaf that she has been like romanticizing, let's assume it's a beautiful childhood memory of her eating meatloaf because I I can't think of anything else that would warrant that that childlike meatloaf real then she takes a bite into it and she's like the world's still gonna end shit it It tastes tastes like like ashes ashes. damn but that's not the case yeah she is not she didn't take a bite and she was like the world's still gonna end." she took a bite and she was like this literally tastes like ashes i'm gonna start crying now there was no planet i think there's still an element of what you talked about where it could be like that fond childhood memory of like meatloaf and the happiness it brought and her biting into it and realizing it doesn't evoke that anymore as an adult or because of her depression or what have you she's like this isn't the same anymore i almost feel like the difference like the turn in the movie was like in the beginning she already is certain that like the planet is going to crash into the earth. Like she's already thinks that, but everybody else is trying to pretend like it's fine. That's yeah. That's what Which, I was like too. makes it worse for her because she's just like, no, you don't get it. Which is sort of like, feels like a metaphor for how depression feels in real life. Right. Is this thing of just like, no, I know that everything's shit. Like I'm seeing the world in the real way. And everybody else is trying to pretend like everything's okay. And then once everybody else realizes that, like, yeah. oh shit, you're right, <laughs> she actually like feels more in control. Yeah, which is a it's an interesting thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is definitely the kind of thing where it's like you either buy into it or you don't. <laughs> I mean, it lost me. <laughs> I was bought in for a little bit. I was like, all right, you know, wedding, it's a tough time, you know, it's stressful. Uh, a lot's going on. And then honestly, the first place where it lost me, it was it was it was push and pull. The first place where it lost me was when she said to her now husband, "I need a moment." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, you're going through a lot, and I'm sure you've got other stuff going on, you know." Sure, it makes sense right now. And then she went out into the golf course, and she just she just banged another dude, completely random, uh, in the middle of the golf course, and it was it looked so aggressive too. And then she came back, and and was like, "Dad, please stay." Hold on, (laughs) what's going on? (laughs) I'm not I'm gone. And then it got me wrote me back in with weird drama that I didn't understand between her and again her now husband with whom she has she has already cheated on. All right? That's happened. You know, if she cheated on him before, I don't know, but she did now for sure. Uh, and they got me back and then they lost me again uh, when her mom was doing yoga in the window. And I was like, "What's going on? I don't understand." <laughs> This must be so, if you haven't watched this movie, which I'm going to assume most of the people that listen to this will have not watched this movie, it's gonna just sound wild. Some of the shit (laughs) we're gonna say happens is just gonna sound really wild. There's a part where Kirsten Dunst is in her wedding dress, 
and she's at the like reception and then she leaves. So she goes after what I'm about to say, she goes out to the golf course to have sex with a random man. But the first time she goes out to the golf course is just to hike up her wedding dress and pee. And that's a scene. (laughs) I wrote that down as a note in my journal as blissful pissing on golf course to Wagner. (laughs) Interesting that you say blissful because I definitely read it as completely neutral the most neutral <laughs> i have ever seen in my entire life there was no relief honestly it didn't even look like she needed to pee it looked like she just decided this would be a good time to pee not because i have to but because this golf course warrants it which yeah, i might as well pee right now yeah it's did like you also, hey there's grass did you read that as <laughs> there's a later part where because i think uh her sister's husband doesn't he like own the whole property or something? He like owns the golf so. course. Yeah. Cause he keeps talking about how like it's got 18 holes and I'm like, so does every golf course, buddy. Um, <laughs> not every golf course, um, but uh, he's like really proud of it. And uh, so like, was that an act of protest? Was she like pissing on the golf oh. course to be like, fuck you, dude. Maybe now that you say Did- it, I can buy that. Did he have that conversation with her before she did that? No. So she peed first, and then he said, this cost a lot of money, you know. And in her head, she's like, ha ha, gotcha. <laughs> so, okay, audiences, to clarify this for you, the entire first, the movie is split into two parts, and the entire first part takes is justine's wedding to this man named michael whom she does not love (laughs) and and, uh first of all one of my favorite moments of the whole movie was this little moment during the wedding like um reception where justine's nephew walks up to her and hands her something she goes what's this and he's like a dagger she's like wow That's right. Oh God, I forgot. And I can't believe. So in, in the beginning, we were like joking in the chat because he's like, what's this? And she's like, what's this? And he's like, a dagger. And I was it Aaron, it was Aaron. I think, was Aaron was I like, said- Chekhov's dagger. And then and we were like, haha. And there was another part where everybody <laughs> who's coming to the reception, it picks a bean and puts it into a jar. And then they're supposed to guess how many beans will be left at the end of the night. And as a joke, I put in the chat because we had already done the dagger thing. I was like, oh, Chekhov's beans. And then the beans came back, but the dagger didn't. Because Justine was talking to Claire, her sister Claire, and she was like, 678. What? That's the number of beans <laughs> in the bean water. <laughs> That's I how I know. know. I know I things. Just, I know okay, things. I mean, I'm just right about things. Like, for the context. Justine wasn't there when that number was revealed, and she said that a mysterious amount of time after the wedding, too. It's a question mark, but I think it's been a little, at least, at least a little bit, okay? Because the cab got her and brought her, so, you know, let's say, let's say it's been like a month, Ron said. And in hindsight, I get it. I, in hindsight, I can see how the beans are Chekhov's beans. But I'm so surprised that the dagger wasn't, in fact, a Chekhov's dagger. Oh, I, no I really importance whatsoever. The bean know. thing confuses me a little bit because she's like, I just know things. And you have to admit, like, 
how does she know that? And what does this mean for the movie? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, she did she know? Is it that she knew that meant? Did okay. she know all along? But then she did say to her nephew, whose name I did not bother to remember, like, Leo. you're stupid. Like, you, I think more than you pointed, Leo, I think you pointed out more than she said, like, you're stupid if you think I'm depressed because I know a planet's coming. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, here's, here's a question I, I have know. sort of, like, about the central metaphor of the movie, which is the planet, which is named oh. Melancholia, which is, like, aggressively on the nose. Um, a metaphor. Ahead, I told you never to oh. say that again. Ron <laughs> said in the chat, I'm wetaphor for a metaphor. And I was hoping I would never have to hear those words come out of his human mouth. But here we are. Um, Ron, you so with this mouth. planet, I sort of said this a little bit ago, but it sort of felt like me, felt to me that kind of, the thesis because like the movie is about depression it feels like to me it's about depression it's about death it's about like dying and our relationship with death and it kind of felt like the movie believed in this concept of like depressed people see the world as it actually is because like it sort of feel like it feels to me like the movie is on Justine's side at the mm. end. Like she becomes like the most equipped person to deal with the end of the world. Does that make sense? She is yeah. the one who offers Leo solace at the end because melancholia is coming and Claire overcome with emotion does not know how to be there for herself, for her sister or for her son. Yeah, and uh, Justine goes to Leo's like, "Hey, we're gonna build a magic cave, and it's gonna protect us." It it doesn't, you know, obviously, but it's Hold on. this what? <laughs> oh shit! I'm so sorry. Oh, I thought they made it at the end. <laughs> the cave was made out of sticks that they gathered from the forest. Did not save. Oh them. shit! I thought they all survived. I'm so sad <laughs> now. Aaron, Damn. right now you're like, Leo, you dumbass, you fell for it, <laughs> you stupid <laughs> idiot boy. <laughs> uh no the screen shows the planet succumbing to fire but just just well, offers offers leo that little comfort of denial of the apocalypse right before death yeah it, i mean it went it went through all of the different like first of all claire's okay <clears throat> claire bought a bunch of pills why we can only assume it was for some kind of ritual suicide in case the planet did end up blowing up Unfortunately for her, her husband, upon discovering that the planet is in fact going to blow up, took all of them uh, and then ran to the stables to die next to a horse named Abraham. <laughs> Why did you include that? <laughs> that and is what happened. That is an exactly. accurate description of what happened. And Claire, and so, so, so that's the first stage of death, right? I, I realize I'm going to die, so I will do it by my hand. Which was what, by the way, he stole Claire's idea. You know, just gonna. <laughs> yeah, that was what an asshole. Yeah, give credit on, where it's man. due. She literally bought it for that purpose, and he just took all. Of, I'm sure he could have taken half and had the same effect, but nah, no, 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 whatever, whatever. She covers him with hay because, I mean, you know, lots of people deal with death and death in lots of different ways. She was like, 
I can't let Leo know about this. So she slaps Abraham on the ass and say, off to town with you. Uh, <laughs> and then she con- tries to convince that her child that her dad or uh, that the child's dad is, you know, off into the town. Uh, and then she goes through her process of death, right? Which is like a lot of denial and then a lot of kind of like this weird hybrid between depression and acceptance where she was like, I want to drink wine with you and I on the terrace and, and I want to be together. And Justine was like, <laughs> she's like, you want to know what I think of that? Idea. <laughs> I I'm, I'm it's a direct fucking quote. Okay. She says, I think it's a piece of shit. Yeah. Her sister is dealing with her own mortality and she says to her, I think your idea is a piece of shit, which is crazy to me because she's lived an entire life of just of literally crazy amounts of depression. And that's how she handles her sister coming to grips with her own mortality. That was mind blowing to me. I was like, how could you be the protagonist? This well, seems I think, terrible. <laughs> I think she feels vindicated because everyone yeah. treated her like she was so fu- like they called her stark raving mad they treated her like she was useless i mean if uh, claire was I mean, the one most on her side because she was giving her care right so there's that yeah yeah i feel like it felt to me like the same sort of thing of just like you're trying to pretend that this is all okay you know you want to go yeah. out on the deck and have a glass of wine what you want to listen to some music like whatever because that's what's been happening you know it's like her husband like buys property and gives her this card which has flowers on it and he's like oh in the future we'll go live there and you can keep this card in your pocket and whenever you're feeling a little sad you can look at the card with the flowers on it yeah. and it's you know it is this kind of thing of just like people not getting it you know people not getting like what it actually feels like and people not getting what's actually going on so i get that but it definitely was also like god damn like you can't you can't give a little bit like just like the only i feel like the only true (laughs) moment of like untainted like compassion and care in the movie is at the end when justine builds the cave for leo i think the only thing that even approaches it is claire trying to care for justine but even there there's like it's a little complicated yeah but like other than that that is the only moment of like just true compassion and kindness (laughs) in the whole movie to your original question like do we feel like the movie is on justine's side I think I think it is because she's the one who by the end is like she she was right and she's the only one who s- seemingly of the characters we've seen like handles it in some way or at least is gathered enough to take action. That's Go the ahead. other stage of death. That's the last one where she's like I'm fine cuz nothing matters, which is like that final piece, the the bang that isn't even a bang at the end of the story. It's like I always knew nothing mattered, and now it's been proven proven to everybody in the entire world. It feels very misanthropic to me. And, like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's interesting, but, like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. 
where was that quote from that you sent in the chat? The oh, one was God. like, this was, was the result of a depressive episode. From- <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, no shit. <laughs> like, really? Who would have no thought? <laughs> um, yeah, there's some uh, there's some great little tidbits in that Wikipedia article. If you go, for instance, to the part of the Wikipedia article where they talk about him doing press for the movie at, I think, Cannes. <laughs> Uh, he said some wild shit, man. Isn't he, was, wasn't he softly canceled or something for some of the shit he said? I, oh, he, is he maybe should have been more hardly canceled for what he said. Hold on. Is Hold he anti-Semitic? Do we have you Aaron watching anti-Semitic? You made me give money <laughs> to an anti-Semitic? You guys, oh, no. this is this is done? entrapment. I didn't this know. Is, Aaron's I didn't Jewish. Know. <laughs> Aaron's this is karmically, this is gonna come back to you. All right, you only get one. All right, Morden, you'll you're get complicit. canceled next time. Morden, you're complicit. <laughs> I didn't know. I knew. I knew Lars von Trier was like a very controversial figure because he just like loves to stir shit up and he loves to say shit that makes people mad. Um, but yeah, at the at the press conference for the movie, he was like, you know. I do understand Hitler <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just like, Oh damn. And I'm not gonna, as soon as I read that, I was like, interesting that he chose Wagner to be the only music in this movie. Mm. Cause Wagner also very famously anti-Semitic. Um, so that's a fun, <laughs> that's a fun what? little nugget to add to this whole what? discussion what, wikipedia what wikipedia summarizes the event by saying cans once listed him as a persona non grata for commenting on nazism <laughs> yeah. during an interview he was, he was therefore banned for one year and then the next the next fucking parody, he joked that since he was no longer jewish having been told the truth about his biological father he now uh, understands and sympathizes with Hitler. That he is not against the Jews except for Israel, which is a pain in the ass, and that he is a Nazi. He said he said he's a Nazi? That's not in quotes, but in quotes was understands and sympathizes, end quote, with Hitler. Cool. So that's crazy. So I guess he grew up thinking he was Jewish, and then upon finding out that he wasn't, he was like, that's you it. Know what? We gotta get rid of him, because now I'm not one of them. So, so it's time to end it. Yeah, it is wild that this is the one that we rented. <laughs> Stellan Starsgard came in defense of Lars and said, quote, everyone knows he's not a Nazi. But he's... If you have to say that about your friends, there might be something going, going on. on how many how many guests have you had on the show? How many of them have been Jewish? That's what I'm asking. Fifty percent. Was was this a targeted? <laughs> no. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you said no to Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, and I saw red. We're going to I always knew. <laughs> so in case you guys didn't God. see this melancholia is the second film in what lars calls his depression trilogy <laughs> i don't think he's okay because the first one the first movie was antichrist next was yep. melancholia then it was nymphomaniac. nymphomaniac yeah i don't think man is okay no i don't think so no it sounds it, is... it sounds like he went through his own phases yeah uh, that year including, <laughs> including nazism apparently <laughs>
Yeah. Um, uh, it's just a phase. It's just a phase, mom. Um, and oh, um, <laughs> do you feel like there was definitely a very what felt to me like a very intentional strain of like dark comedy in the movie, but there were also parts where like I truly wasn't sure how seriously I was supposed to take it or not. Like there were some moments that were so self-serious that I was like, this has to be intentional, especially with like the other moments of like weird comedy in the movie. But then there were parts where I was like, am I supposed to be like taking this at face value or am I supposed to laugh at how like preposterously pretentious this is? It's satire. Actually the whole time we've been treating it like, like it's not, but it is. It's uh, and and that guy, that minister, oh god, I don't know who he was. That was like, she has ruined my wedding, so I will not see her ever again. <laughs> and and every single time, every single time he came on the screen, and he shared screen space with Justine. His hand was covering his face in her there direction. There was literally a shot where he was just in the background crossing through the frame <laughs> while another scene was happening, just holding his hand up to his face. And that's it. That was it. That was his whole thing. Like, I don't... No, 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 no. It's satire. I mean, she sunbathed. I... She moonbathed nude at the, at the absolute crescendo of the song. <laughs> of, the, of Wagner. Um, which by the way, I don't know if we fully explained how the movie opens because it opens with <laughs> literally eight and a half minutes of slow motion scenes of people like falling, walking, but like their feet are falling into the ground. There's Horses. a horses there's that was, a shot of kristen dunce getting like grabbed by vines in the forest yeah, that was the interesting one that they referenced later yeah it's why i thought was cool i thought yeah. actually i actually liked that part where yeah. where she's because she's like in full in full wedding attire she's walking and there are trees that and there's just like a bunch of vines wrapped around her and the trees are like completely demolecularizing into these vines that are wrapping around her and then sometime later in the movie she says i don't know claire is trying to wake her up or something and she was like i feel like i'm walking through you know all this uh oh god yeah. i don't remember what she actually said sand sand or, oh, yeah, it's basically yeah. trudging she, she said trudging yeah trudging through mud i think is what she said yeah so i thought that was that was a cool callback yeah. And and that moment was it was so it was it was pristine. It was an awesome, yeah. really cool little tiny moment in this movie uh that was immediately eclipsed by I don't know, confusion. <laughs> Despair a little bit. A little uh, bit. I didn't know. I wanted to pay attention to the movie. I really did, especially for the podcast. But there were some times where stuff was happening on the screen. And I was looking at the screen, but I wasn't really absorbed. I wasn't watching. I was, like, looking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, God, if they talk about whatever just happened on the screen, I'm not going to know what, what they're talking about because <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> there I'll were some – oh, go ahead, Ron. No, I was just in, – in relation to that, like, the way it is filmed is 
also so depressing. Like the writing, the acting, the score, the cinematography, it's all depressing. It's like blues and grays and neutral colors and like it's slow. And so much of the movie is un is is it's not even uncomfortable silence. It's just like dead silence of like there's no joy in this film. There there wow, there is no joy in this film. I think the that closest is, well, thing we got to Joy was the first scene after the slow-mo where they're trying to drive a true. limo down a windy yeah. road. I actually did laugh at that, especially like coming after the 10-minute slow-mo sequence set to yeah. Wagner. And then we have like a five-minute sequence that is just <laughs> them trying to turn this limo around. That was like the you, closest we got to Joy. Why do you guys think that given that the movie is about you know justine and her depression and the incoming crash of melancholia why do you think he decided to open it with her wedding and their and the following disaster of it hmm god uh, usually i have like some theories or answers <laughs> i feel like i'm i feel like i'm back in class <laughs> I it's mean, just such a I can't charged even. choice I can't even like bullshit an answer. I really just don't. You thought he was just like a clue. <laughs> he was just like a wedding, maybe, I guess. Maybe to showcase her attempt to get along with the world and how much of a failure it was in the end. Because the yeah. wedding, the part one ended. I don't think we mentioned this. Part one ended. With her husband coming up to her, and he's like, "This could have all been different or better." I don't know what he said, but the the uh, intonation was that he's like, "This could have all been better," and she said, "Yes, it could have." But what did you expect? I think the reason that he did that was to introduce Justine as this character who's clinically depressed and known as a character to be clinically depressed by everybody because michael responded to her it was like yeah you're right what did i expect and it was like oh no this is not an isolated incident this is 100 percent uh on pattern this is like on message for her uh and even if anything it's better than on message for her based on what we saw in the rest of the movie yeah she actually was doing better. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, you know, talking to her sister, Claire, and she was like, I really tried. And Claire was like, yeah, I know. But it's, and it was, it was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is, not an, this is not a pleasant existence that we can surmise that Justine lives in. <laughs> yeah. It so, felt like it was to show her living in opposition to the way the rest of the people live, which is not to say the other people were happy. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> pretty much everybody is just a miserable, awful person in their own way. But they're all trying, you know, to not to keep up appearances or whatever. Um, yeah, and ju that I feel like the opening <laughs> sequence shows Justine trying to do that, and it fucking does not work, yeah. baby. Especially, yeah, especially fucking Stellan Skarsgård's character, her boss, trying to get that like the tagline out of her, and she just ultimately was just like, "I hate you." You're despicable, little man. And and then he threw a plate, and it bounced off the truck, and he said, I dropped my plate. And then he threw it again at the truck, and it shattered, and he walked off. And I was like, no. Was a that was another moment where I was like, okay, this is, this is intentional comedy right here. That was actually kind of funny. I yeah. laughed at that one. Part of also why I think the wedding was there is that, like, supposedly there's that idea of, like, the wedding is supposed to be the happiest day of your mm. life. 
and if she is still like not that that's how depression works it's like oh a happy event my depression is gone but i think it's meant to like reinforce the audience is like that is how deeply ingrained into her life this is is that like even on a day where she might be able to feel some source of celebration or joy even like fleetingly which maybe she does experience fleetingly it is like it has got it did look like she she was yeah yeah Yeah. and i i mean go ahead go ahead no i just i i have some unique insight into weddings because i recently officiated a wedding so if you guys have oh, questions whoa. about weddings whoa, whoa, whoa. if you guys have any questions about weddings we feel free to field them my hey, way only you're willing to reveal on a on a podcast that other Can... people will listen to <laughs> you guys i just if, if it's for the podcast <laughs> i'm willing to show off a little bit can you officiate my wedding who are you getting married to does it matter if it's Justine, I have some things to say to you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Your role in this is not to give your opinion. It is to you officiate. You impartial. Oh, yeah, the hand. Look at me, look giving at me. me the hand. I Sorry, see the hand you looking here at me. on the side, not in front. Yeah, it's right here. Actually, that's the myth about officiants. They're not impartial. I learned that firsthand when I oh, yeah? recently okay. officiated. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Somewhat relevant. Can you show Morgan what you think moose antlers look like? Okay, audience, I want you all to know the shock I would feel at Aaron being so unprofessional and bringing in our personal petty arguments into the podcast where he's I don't guessing. know what you're talking about. This is objective fact. Morgan, if I do this, tell me tell me the top three things that come to mind. Okay? Okay. I have That's... to be honest, Ron. The first thing that comes to mind is just a bird. The second okay, thing that comes to mind is a bird is on your head. And the third thing okay. that comes to mind is a big ass butterfly is on your head. Oh, moose would what's never fourth, be. What's the fourth thing? Moose what's is not in the thing? top five. What's the Ron. fifth thing? What's the sixth thing? <laughs> 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 Who the fuck mimes a moose that way? You absolute <laughs> lunatic! How did it turn? It? I was celebrating myself. Guys, I officiated a wedding. You both are like you dumb. <laughs> By the no, way, no, 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 no! Don't say this. No. Once Aaron kicked me in the face and said, "You stupid moose!" <laughs> oh, no. How Sorry, dare he punched you? me in the face. He punched Fine. me in the face. Fine. How dare you bring your first Jewish guest on to a movie <laughs> produced and written and directed? By a Nazi. How do you feel? <laughs> you know what I think about your opinion just now? I think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you quote the work of an anti-Semite <laughs> at <laughs> me. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Oh, All right. Let's. We could have been watching Cloudy of oh, the Chance of Me Falls. <clears throat> we could have been having so much fun. <laughs> oh, oh, big man. Thanks, he can. Oh, me. Pivoting. Okay. Pivoting. Sorry, just real quick. I want to explain in audio what Ron did to mime a moose. Oh, come on. So Ron crosses his hands like you're miming a bird, like you would to mime a bird. He crosses his hands so that the back of his hands is facing out, and then he puts that on his forehead. You don't understand fashion. <laughs> Are you saying moose understand fashion and that's what is... No, I'm just trying to hurt Morden right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll get off my back. <laughs> yeah. Look, we were trying to make gang signs, okay? And this is not intimidating. <laughs> I, How this was looks this? looks like a moose. But who's... 
Yeah, the other one is intimidating, Ron. Yeah, it's fucking cool. It looks like you're trying you to protect yourself. It. That's not intimidating. Oh, hold on. Oh, you uh, let's, all right, let's do a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for review review. It's time for review review. Uh, as someone who's officiated a wedding, I co-signed that decision. So, uh, Aaron, to explain this to you, because this is your first time doing review review, and I'll add a little twist at the end. So, Aaron, are you familiar with Letterboxd? No. Letterboxd is a website where you can submit your reviews for uh, movies, and uh, a whole bunch of people can see them. So, Aaron, me and Aaron, not me and Aaron, me and Morgan <laughs> do a bit called Review Review, where we look at the reviews for a movie that we've watched on Letterboxd, and we read the review, some of the reviews to each other, and guess how many stars we <laughs> okay. got. So, a little twist, because there's two of you, I'm going to make it into a little competition. Whoever gets closer each time gets a point, and the person with the points at the end gets to choose their role in the next bit. Wait, sorry. Say that all again. All of it. <laughs> so Letterboxd is a movie start... where you can <laughs> So Apocalypse is Now is a podcast <laughs> yeah. Let's just do the whole episode up to this point <clears throat> No, sorry, Ron, uh, say that again So since there's two of you I'm going to be the one reading the reviews uh -huh. You both will guess how many stars the review gets And whoever's closer gets a point Whoever has the most points by the end of the bit Will get to choose their role in the next bit It'll make sense when we get to the next bit Basically, you want to win. Great. I, it's a game, and I want to win it. Okay. That's all I need to uh, know. I will keep 100%. track. Excuse me. So How are we? Aaron, is this like again? Price is Right rules? Where it's like... So I'll if say you go Price over? is Right rules. Okay. If you're over, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to be real conservative. Okay. okay, let's start with a nice and simple one. <clears throat> Lars von Trier, thanks to the depression, love. Two stars. That's it. Two stars. Also, in, uh, in case you're not familiar, it's it's out of five is the max you can get on Letterboxd. Four stars. So Aaron, Aaron's destined two, Morton's destined four. The answer is four stars. What? That's one point for Morgan. How uh, do you how do you submit an appeal? Oh, yeah. In this game. <laughs> <laughs> what would you, you even meant, submit like an appeal say, for? I got it exactly I right. Username. Look, I'll give you their I got username. Distracted. By the lack of punctuation in what you said, Ron. It was misleading, and frankly, I think it was on purpose. Uh, oh. Pick, picking a fight with the judge okay. already, I see. Here we go. Let's let's say this then. That was <laughs> no, a practice no, no. round. Point okay, doesn't count. Right. Morgan's cool with it. I wouldn't want to rob a man. That's okay. We can do a practice round. Be ready to get into the dirt right. with me All right. Now. So I'm coming to find out that half these reviews are people who took film classes and really want to show <laughs> and off write and the long paragraphs <laughs> yeah and the other half are depressed people who are like yo i feel seen <laughs> um okay fair fair uh, dude you guys like seven paragraphs it's either <laughs> one line ball. or seven paragraphs <laughs> holy shit i am not okay 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 here's two i haven't even proofread this one this is two essay. paragraphs I know it's Lars von Trier's intention to make... This is from Yi Jian. I know it's Lars von Trier's intention to make his film look like a series of paintings, and though they may look pretty, kinda, but at the same time, they also felt forced, surreal to the point of being repulsive, wow. simply too artificial to engross me. Ooh. And whose idea it is to use handheld cameras in almost every scene? How annoying. 
Are we supposed to feel like we're bystanders peeking into someone else's life? Eavesdropping on their conversations? Lars von Trier is such a stranger to me. I don't get him. I don't get this film at all. I'm tired. One star. Aaron guesses one star? Half a star. Morning guesses half a star. The ants you can guess half a star? You didn't do halves. There are halves. Yeah. You want to change your answer? Half a star, <laughs> yeah. You're both guessing half a star? I don't understand. If we both agree, isn't that the point of this unity? Togetherness? <laughs> okay, then I guess you would both get a point. If Well, uh, you both automatically get a point. <laughs> so, okay, I'm just always going to guess what... No! Was. See, now you this doesn't work! You can't... Okay, you can't guess the same thing. I'll say that. You can't guess the same thing. What in tarnation... What if it's half a star? Fine. One star. The answer is two and a half stars. You're welcome. You got the point. <laughs> two and a... He gave this guy a 50%? Some These people in Letterboxd don't know what they're saying sometimes. They'll say, this is the worst garbage ever. Three and a half stars. I know. It's That's why this <laughs> oh, game okay. works. Because we truly... Sometimes you oh, really man. don't know. Okay. Oh, wow. Man. That is a long <laughs> review, you guys. Yeah. I always love those reviews uh, that are like, oh. I felt terrible watching this. I hate, I, it was a experience that I never want to repeat five stars. <laughs> That's my, always my favorite. Oh, I found a great one. Okay. Uh, this one's from Car- Carrot. Uh, Thank you, Carrot. I'm Kirsten Dunst and the planet is 2016. Wait, say that again. I'm Kirsten Dunst and the planet is 2016. Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. Uh, you, I don't. They're they're identifying with is Kirsten a, Dunst's character, character, and they're saying the year uh-huh. 2016 oh. was the was the planet wow. in this movie for them. Wow, what did they think about 2020? <laughs> really, <laughs> really, was it written before 2020? It was written on December 2016. <laughs> They were just reflecting on their year, and they were like, what a shit year. <laughs> you have no idea what's coming, Carrot. You better get ready. I hope yeah. Carrot's doing okay. Um, I'm... That was also, oh my god, that was a rewatch. That was her second time. She, she was out of time. Oh tough no, like, that's a tough way. time, Carrot. I'm going to watch Melancholia at the end of my terrible year. I'm going to say three and a half stars. Four stars. Okay, Morden, you yeah. said three and a half? Aaron, you said four? Yeah. Four and a half stars. That's point Ooh. for Aaron. Nicely done. Okay, let's see. I, it, honestly, what sold me was that it was a second it was Yeah, a second that's watch, true. I should have taken that like, into account. No fucking way. There's no goddamn way somebody's going to be like, worst move I've ever seen. Second viewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you watch oh this, I got to say this. If you watch this movie twice... You must be into it. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Hung Cat. Justine. Hung, hung cat. cat? Yeah. It's a cat that's hung. Good. Yeah. Justine, please stop hitting the horse. Also, audience, she wails on the horse. Yeah. Justine, on she fucking, straight up abuses dude. the horse. Yeah. She what really the hell was that? The, the anger part? You said she goes through all the yeah. phases, right? So There you go. I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the stages of grief. D- denial, depression, horse abuse. <laughs> 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 ah, I know it well. Okay, here we go. It harkens me back to dark times in college. 
Justine, please stop petting the horse. Time is ephemeral, and death is just a matter of time. Two worlds collide, and there's nowhere to hide. Melancholia is indeed a melancholic depression core sprinkled with ethereal galactic desolation. An arty, apocalyptic portrait that is beautifully painted by Lars, the arresting vision of a collision between tranquility and psychotic chaos is to die for. You better be goddamn happy. Melancholia is a frustrating watch, exposing the narrative incoherence and Lars's jarring handheld shaky cam style. There's nothing to chew on to the story. It's more of a character piece, magnifying the sadness floating around the atmosphere. The impending doom has the characters under its thrall, drowning them in the excruciating motion of everyday despair. The celestial melancholia engulfs everything in its way, oh leaving behind no room for euphoria, but mournful sorrows. Thematically rich and visually stunning, this apocalypse is as poetic as ever. One has to bask in the glow of two moons to appreciate the beauty while it lasts. What the? Five stars. I, I, I have to guess something different, but I feel like it's got to be... I'll say 4.5. It might be 4.5, actually, because he doesn't... He's probably one of those people who's like, it can't be perfect because nothing's perfect. So I'm going to give it four and a half stars instead of five. All right. Well, guesses are locked in. Five and 4.5. It's four. So the point's going to more than Nice. Okay, let's do a couple more. So he wrote that entire <laughs> he was essay. was like, four stars. Jerking Lars <laughs> off right there. Well, he did say it was and a... And said four stars. He did say it was a frustrating. frustrating watch. Yeah. He did say that. Dude, I mean, of all people, I'd be I'd expect this guy to go really fucking meta and say, like, but he meant it to be frustrating. <laughs> and if you were frustrated, that's what he wanted you to feel. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, man. Okay, I don't understand I, that I guy. There's, <laughs> there's some good ones here. Okay. This is from Sydney. I know everybody has problems. <laughs> good start. That's it. That's good the whole start. Hold on. There's more. There's more. Two stars. There's more. There's more. There's more. <laughs> I know everybody has problems, and it isn't fair to compete anyone's feelings are as valid and as real as the next person's. Now that that's out of the way, <laughs> for all the reviews talking of how realistic a portrayal of depression this film is, I was shocked at how misre misrepresented it was. I found it extremely difficult to sympathize or care for these privileged and self-absorbed people. And I felt this film reinforced the conception that depression is a princess problem, suffered only by those who have the luxury to be sad. Mm. Uh, bu 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 Maybe I didn't get it, but I found the whole thing to be cold, passionless, and void of any sort of depth or meaning. As someone with plenty of experiences with depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder, there was nothing here that rang true to me. And it was really boring. Fair. One star is my guess. See, either I go way low and I go half a star, or I'm like, this is kind of a twist, and I say two stars. I'm going to say... It might be two stars. I'm going to say half a star. One star. Aaron got it right on the money. Damn it. Oh. All right, let's do just three more. <clears throat> that I honestly agree with that one the most. They that said one, it really that well. That one wasn't even yeah, like... they made some really yeah. solid points. Yeah. Let's see. Man, a lot of people are jerking this movie's dick. Yeah. I mean, what's the overall rating? Liked... Is it like four stars? Uh, ooh, we can do that for the end. That'll ah, be like, nice. that's worth. Nice. Okay, Aaron, you're about to say something. I'm still looking, so you can. 
I was just gonna say I like there are definitely certain cinematographical choices that I that I liked that I thought were really cool. Yeah. Like the ambient shots of the horizon. Yeah. Oh. I thought were really cool. And uh there was one dude, I didn't like any of of her on the golf course. All of those, I was like, this is this doesn't make any artistic sense <laughs> to me at all. <laughs> but the the horizon shots and the uh fucking the one with the horse. <laughs> oh, you know that one scene <laughs> with the horse. Yeah, there were some the, beautiful shots in the movie for sure. Oh god. Like some really yeah. cool yeah. visuals. The sh- the shots of like the moon and melancholia like you were saying, like beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't help I was like I was watching it and I was like I know that the nothing about this is supposed to make scientific sense but when i was watching the mo- the thing with the moon and then Men- melancholia i was like where is the light coming from for melancholia because yeah. well, the I'm... moon only shines because it's in front of the sun right well it's reflecting the sun so i was I would oh maybe think the moon, that... maybe that would work because because we see planets as stars in it's our sky true. you know it's true. like we see when we see Mars and Venus and Saturn and Jupiter, they just look like fucking stars. That's true. Shows. So I think I think it would be illuminated like that. What didn't? If we want to talk about fucking <laughs> science, let's talk about how how it fucking it flew by and then came back. Well, and also <laughs> it dance. flew by and like the most that it did to the world was make a low rumbling noise and make animals freak out. I'm like the tides would yeah. be. Fucked like the gravity of this yeah. thing entering our space at all, but I know that's not the point. It's a metaphor. Well, the power, the power did go out. That's true. So they they had like the it was a weird afterthought for them that that oh wait, the world would get impacted way way more than a low rumbling noise. So let's put in the power going out. <laughs> Some consequence. Like, okay, but like what about everything yeah. else? <laughs> All right, what's our next review? Uh, let's just do three more of these. Um, <clears throat> this one's from Kyle. He watched it in March 2020. Oh, she. Ooh, oh, yeah. She Yikes. March 2020. March 2020. Yeah. That's a That's a time. That's a special time. Kirsten yeah. Dunst <laughs> playing a depressed, self-sabotaging copywriter who's facing the end of the world. Nothing matters. Take my hand. Me, also a depressed, self-sabotaging copywriter who's facing the end of the world. Okay, Queen. Peggy Olsen, yet another depressed, self-sabotaging copywriter, not facing the end of the world. But Don needs three more headlines. Me and Kirsten Dunst, fuck off, Scientologist. Excludes Peggy from circle. The world ends. Advertising dies. Scientology prevails. I think I'm losing my mind in quarantine. (laughs) This person wrote a whole scene. That was premium content. I Nicely like done. I don't know who Peggy Olsen is. That's Mad Men. That's from Mad. That's Elizabeth Moss from uh, Mad Men. Uh, I'm okay. gonna say four stars. Three and a half. So Aaron, you say three and a half. Morgan says four. Yeah. Four and a half. It goes to Morgan. Boom. Four and a half. Honestly, I should have given more weight to her being in the the literal height of the epidemic. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like that could that could that could turn yeah. some minds. Yeah. If I if we had done this in March 2020, 
I don't think I'd be coming so hard for uh for <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, it seems right. The world fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, Lars, how'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I will say okay, something that I, I did think about when watching this movie, and I think it's because I did a, like I looked at the Wikipedia a little bit and I saw a review that said something about um a person that is prone to catastrophizing uh end up ending up part of a real catastrophe i think was something along the lines of that and it made me think about my brother um because my brother has ocd and Mm. when i remember he tweeted when the pandemic was starting to happen he was like it's really weird to have all of your like like worst like fears and like habits that come from your ocd be like the things that the government is literally telling you to do like because you know he had it it improved a lot uh uh since he was a kid but like especially when he was a kid he was like extremely germaphobic like all that kind of stuff um and to then like end up in this situation where there is a global thing that is like you got to avoid germs you got to wash your hands all the time you got to do all this stuff he was like it's really weird because it feels like all my um, my uh, compulsions are being like um, um, validated by you know by the real world. So that was something that I thought about what by what while watching the movie is this thing of like oh yeah a depressed person being like nothing matters and then the whole world ending sort of like confirming your uh, your state of mind. Well, did your brother feel that same kind of vindication? It seemed like Justine felt. I don't think he felt vindication. Um, uh, I'd have to ask him. I'd have to talk about it. Um, I think it was more just sort of like the surreal nature of it, you know, just like yeah. having these things that like your brain tells you to do like, oh my God, you got to wash your hands all the time or whatever. And then having that become a thing that everybody has to do. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, there's also, there's also like that, that hallmark sign of like if somebody who's normally depressed seems happy out of nowhere all of a sudden then that's that's actually like a sign of trouble that they've probably made plans to commit suicide and that would put them in like in heightened awareness mode for the people around them they say like watch out if the person who is always like very depressed is all of a sudden very happy and they're like giving away their stuff that's like a hallmark sign of that so Seeing that match up in the movie was, I don't think that was like, I, I didn't see anything wrong with it at all. I thought I was like, yeah, that's perfectly yeah. normal. Cause makes sense. It's exactly what you said. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, she's, she's, it's, she, it's accepted, fully accepted now. And there's nothing else to right. do about it. So I, I don't know if you guys would phrase it this way, but there's part of me that sees it almost like everyone on the planet died to melancholia, but for Justine, it almost felt like suicide by Melancholia, yeah. just with the amount of acceptance. She yeah. was just like, bring it. Yeah. You know, like, she was, she's been ready for it for a while. Yeah, like almost wanting yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, that's what I, that's yeah. what the moon bathing sequence kind of felt like to me was her being like, yes, <laughs> like this is, this is my, <laughs> it's my time to now. shine. <laughs> <laughs> she's she looked at melancholy and she's like you promise <laughs> oh god <laughs> don't don't hurt me now 
Uh, okay, just two more, and then we'll have you guys guess the the average. I've been burned before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that planet's tell me they were gonna crash. Oh God. <laughs> we're gonna have to put a major content warning on this here episode. <laughs> Welcome to a podcast now, the podcast that makes you laugh, that makes you yeah. giggle. Okay, this is from Mia. If you're depressed, just stop. It's that easy. Heart emoji. Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah. I'm guessing sarcastic, which, well, I, I'm guessing sarcastic because, like, that's really, I would be so surprised if that was, like, said completely seriously. But it's possible. No fucking way. But yeah, I, I, I don't think so, which is making me think that they liked the movie because they identify with Justine. Yeah. I'm going to say, but how much did they like the movie? Four stars. That's my guess. <laughs> Aaron guesses four stars. Oh, there's three and a half. Oh, God. No, I'm going to stick with four. Okay. I'll do three. Three? Morning guesses three. Four and a half. Aaron gets the point. Okay. Uh, uh, last one is from okay <laughs> but what if Will Smith was Melancholia and what if Chris Rock was her <laughs> what <laughs> Will Smith collided into Chris Rock destroying the entire planet not so funny now is it <laughs> <laughs> this person was just like I'm putting my own spin I'm <laughs> I'm just doing something completely different Three stars. That's my guess. Okay, Aaron guesses three. I think perfectly neutral. Five stars. Wow. Morgan Strong. on the money. It was five yeah! stars. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have you guys guess the average on Letterboxd, but this one will be worth two points. <gasps> so right now, Morgan has three and Aaron has four. Ooh. So this is the decider. Oh. So just to okay. let you know, we're not going to restrict you to holes or whole numbers or ha like half numbers. You can use up to any one decimal decimal point. So you can do like oh. you know two point <gasps> one or whatever. Oh shit! No fuck. Now way. we're getting okay. Now we're getting into the real shit. All right. Uh, feel free. I mean, I don't have information I can give you. I'm gonna so. three point eight. Three point eight. You say? Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna say four point two. Ooh. One of you understands the people perfectly. It's 3.8. No! Yes! <laughs> Nicely so Aaron, you done! One review, review. You said it? I had Thank to you. control my reaction. That's like, insane, wow, that's Aaron. Impressive. Nicely done. Okay. I see. You do, here's, here's a little insight into, into the maestro's <laughs> mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, when I'm buying products on Amazon, <laughs> I look at the reviews, and I look at the average, and I realize how hard it is to get above 4.0 <laughs> because of all of the one-point stars yeah. dragging that shit to 3.8. And I'm always like, 3.8? That looks terrible. And, I <laughs> and you're like, reviews, actually, four stars that's pretty this, good. Four stars that. Oh, my God. Well done. Well so many, done. It's because of all the four stars, yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Thank that makes you. sense. <laughs> okay, on to our next bit. Aaron, you have won, so you get to play a role in the – you get to choose your role in this. 
So Aaron, we have another yeah. bit called Who Wants to Be a Survivor? And now, it's time for America's favorite game show. Who wants to be a survivor? Where, we'll see if we end up keeping this, because this is kind of dicey the way to play I this. I don't know about uh, this one, Chief. <laughs> I don't know about this one. <laughs> Who wants to be a survivor is when we look at the apocalypse and we choose a broad category of people. Like, for the first time we did it, we chose Muppets. And Morden and I would argue who would best survive that apocalypse from that pool of people. Now, since you won, you get to choose. Are you going to be a debater or will you be the judge? Ah, uh, debater. Debater. Okay. Who do you want to be the judge, me or Morden? If, I feel like if Ron's the judge, I know what appeals will work. But if Morgan is the judge... I can smack Ron with words. I will say. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. No. You dangle in front of me. A lifeline. I think objectively, and this could take you either way, Ron is better at this than me. So do you want the challenge? <laughs> at judging? At, at debating. So do you want the challenge... Or, but then again, you don't know how Machiavelli and I am. I might be saying that in order Morden to deceive has you. The ch Morden has the chops. Are these fucking mind games right now? What's happening? He's not ultra competitive. That's, That's the problem. The problem. Ron, the is willing, Ron is willing to take a position <laughs> that is completely antithetical to his entire personhood <laughs> in order to win this debate. I am not. <laughs> Morgan's the judge. Okay. Boom. Then, Morgan, you get to choose the pool of people we choose. I'd say not Muppets. Not again. Muppets again. Just to keep. Um. Let's see. What's a good category? I remember at one point we, we were veto? talking about like sitcom casts. Um. Oh man. <laughs> we can roughly veto. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm just trying to think of categories that would work. Um. Uh, Aaron, just you know, I didn't know much about Muppets. Like we have a, like a two minute research period. <laughs> Come on. Obviously, it's Oscar. <laughs> you don't know the apocalypse. <laughs> Ron, am I getting this right? Oscar's the one with the trash can, right? Yeah. Literally, no other Muppet is better equipped to handle the apocalypse. You, and, you, I, 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 you I'm lost. getting carried away. <laughs> okay. I would have fucking no, won. Who's going to fucking go? What's okay, a good okay, category? Okay. I'm thinking... Um, First thing I thought of was U.S. presidents, but I don't want to do that because that's too. I also thought of U.S. Yeah, presidents. I don't want to do that. I have no fucking answer. Um, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> I have a suggestion of one I thought of. If you can't think of wait, any, wait, I'll make the suggestion. Give me, give me, give me a moment. Yeah. While you think, I'll explain to Aaron. So, Aaron, <clears throat> one of us will make opening arguments, then the other person will get to rebut, and then that person will make opening arguments, and then the other person will get to rebut to that, and then there will be closing remarks, and then Morden will make his decision. Okay, so when you know you're wrong, are you going to double down? Or are you going to commit even what harder? What do you mean by know or... I'm wrong? <laughs> That's funny. I just gave you the exact same option twice. Are you going to double down or commit even harder, Ron? <laughs> oh, man. I'll deconstruct you in ways you didn't know you could be deconstructed, my friend. I've known you for Morgan's life. <laughs> you haven't known this side of me. Um, I've seen this side of you, Ron. All right. 
You should have seen what I did to Morden on that one episode with the Muppets. It was brutal. Yeah, man. I asked you, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, was not the second question you asked, oh shoot, should I have included Beaker with him? What is he without his assistant? What is he if not a man who needs to lean on others? Barely a puppet of his own. Because I'm a huge Muppet a really fan. And, and, I, and I picked a good one, too. <laughs> You did. And Ron destroyed me. Um, oh, God. He chose the objectively better one, honestly. <laughs> and then I saw Yeah, like on the face of it, I feel like mine should have won, but Ron made some very good arguments. <laughs> All right, I'm having trouble. If you've got an idea, Ron, throw it out to me. I thought fast food mascots. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Okay, I like that. You like that? Yeah, I like that. I Research time. So okay, wait, wait, wait. Before before you research, Morden, you're the judge. How do you want to rule this? Is it whoever would better survive this apocalypse, or whoever would better fare with depression? Like, like what are we? I think let's stick with the apocalypse. Okay, we can we can bring (laughs) depression into that if you want, but. I think the Burger King would deal with depression the best. <laughs> uh, Aaron, as as guest, I'll let you get the first pick, but let's have a brief research period. I do feel like a, a big part of this particular apocalypse, just because of the way this movie worked, is about the psychological effects of it, but I don't know that that has to be specifically depression. Oh, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Fast food mascots. Yeah. yeah. And if you have a question Wrong. about uh, what qualifies as, as fast food, I will give you a ruling. Okay. Does Starbucks our... qualify? There's no. What's the mascot? Apparently, a mermaid. That's the logo. But have you? When have you? Tell me the time when you've seen an ad for Starbucks that had a mermaid in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna do well at this debate. I'm not going to do well at it. Yo, here we go. Ah, shit. Oh, man. How do you even survive this apocalypse? Well, I mean, I will say, speaking of psychological effects, I will accept who will deal the best with this apocalypse rather than who will survive this apocalypse. Oh, I've I've got something... That'll knock your apocalypse socks off. <laughs> ah, there's a better pun in there, but Asocalypse? I can't do it because I'm reading. <laughs> yes, yes. I've got one. You got one? I'm reading lore. Yeah, I've got him. All right, why don't we have, uh, why don't we just go and let's have Ron go first? No, no, I think, I think Aaron should oh, go first. Oh, never mind. Because he, he's the guest. I would say let's, okay. let's have him choose first. My mascot is guy. Who the fuck That's is that? Right. Whataburger? The mascot oh, for Whataburger. I gotta look this fool up. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me see. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! That's terrifying. This is like... How do I describe this? It's like an orange Buzz Lightyear with a cape. <laughs> and just terrifying googly eyes. And a constant smile. That's right. Oh, my God. I've never seen this guy before in my life, and I hope I never see him again. Unfortunately for you, he's going to be the only one who survives this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Make your argument, Aaron. 
I cannot okay. wait to hear about the lore of this man. So here's what we got, right? What a guy. His mission, created in 1999, mind you, his mission is to protect freshness, flavor, and the Whataburger way. And the limits <laughs> to which he will go are literally endless. If there is an apocalypse and the world crashes into another world, he is the only one who is professionally qualified enough to fly off world because he has superpowers. This is not a this is not a joke. This is not made up. He has a cape. He can fly. He has super strength. Look at those arms. Okay? I would rather he not, can but fly. Okay. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> <laughs> he can fly off planet, okay? And find as the ambassador for an entirely new Whataburger chain, the freshness and flavor and Whataburger way that he is destined and sworn to protect. He will avoid every single apocalypse because it is, it is his mission and duty and destiny to preserve the Whataburger way. And he will do it for the rest of time. It's what he was made for. A strong start. A strong start, Ron. Your rebuttal. You mentioned that what a guy is a superhero. What do heroes do in disaster if not put their lives down to protect others? I agree with you. What a guy stands for his ideals of preservation. Would that not then compel him to fly to Melancholia to try and destroy it or something and thus hasten his death even quicker? Would not his ideals of heroic sacrifice lead to his own demise? The thing that you purported is his saving grace is the very, like the edge of his arsenal is actually his downfall. He is a hero. So he's going to put his life on the line to protect the people of Earth, to protect Whataburger, therefore putting his own life in danger. I get a rebuttal? Not yet. Morgan, is that how it works? I, we I were very loose with the rules last time. All right, go ahead. Here, I'll go give ahead, you. I'll give we, you. I'll give you. Oh, my phone's not around. I'll just approximate it. I'll give you thirty seconds. Well, wait. Okay, then let me say all my stuff, and then Aaron, you can respond to all my stuff. Okay. Um, in thirty seconds. <laughs> all right, I'll give you a minute. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> first, also, I had just a question. What were your sources? I looked up what a guy lore, and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> Your search history is called the What a Guy origin story. Where does it mention the values he stands for? I don't see that there. Listen, man. (laughs) (laughs) Look in general, all right? Look in general. Because this was post. This bitch was posted in January twenty fifth, twenty twenty three, motherfucker. Oh, freshness, flavor, and the Whataburger way. Freshness, flavor, and the Whataburger way. That's actually crazy that they posted this. Five months ago. <laughs> it's so recent. Where did you get <laughs> Where oh, did you get boy. that he flies? He's got a cape, Ron. That doesn't mean <laughs> shit. It means enough shit for me to assume he can fly. Okay. I'm sorry. I meant to come into this respectfully. <laughs> Some real charged energy I'm coming in with. And see, okay. and what you did instead is ad hominem, okay? <laughs> a common a common grasping effort when you know you can't win. Um, let me just think, is that everything I have to say? 
Yeah, I think the fact that he is a hero and would put his life on the line to save people would mean that he doesn't survive because he can't he can't destroy a whole planet, but he's a hero, so he's going to try and protect people. That's I rest my case. Okay, my rebuttal starting now. <coughs> One minute. You you spoke of the hero's journey, but it's interesting that you didn't mention that the hero almost always lives. And you say, "What if this is an edge case where he dies?" Nay. See, his mission is not complete in perpetuity. He cannot protect freshness, flavor, and the Whataburger way if he dies, and he knows this. So he is not the type of hero to rush off, to, to lay down on the wire so that the Whataburger way may live. No, no, no. His entire existence is to protect Whataburger and the freshness and the flavor forever. Yes, he will fly into Melancholia, but he will not die. Because his mission isn't over, it will never be over. Done. Can Time. I do one quick rebuttal to that? What the heck? We can't do that. We can't go on forever. We can't go on forever. Ron, you're right. I agree with you. I agree your with arguments, you. Okay, okay. please, Ron. Who's who have you who right, have you chosen it. as your as your to head into battle? Uh, there were several I considered. I considered Chester the Cheetah. I saw. I just, yeah, uh, me too. But ultimately, I have to make a classic choice. We're talking about who would best survive this apocalypse. Who would best have the resources, the mentality, and the experience to survive an apocalypse? An apocalypse such as this. I have to put forward my man, the Burger King. First of all, when we think of fast food, who do we think of? McDonald's pretty much like the dominating force in the fast food world but nay what who is there surviving all this time nay thriving burger king despite being mcdonald's competition for decades has not been stomped out morgan isn't that impressive sure once you secure a point of success like mcdonald's has that's almost easy you can coast off of your name your reputation your brand your products all this time burger king has thrived and survived despite Bites McDonald's grip on the market. Now, uh, also to put the fact that he is not just a king in name, he is a king. A king with resources, with a castle, with a burger throne. With such resources at his disposal, would he not have some sort of ways to perhaps prolong his survival even a little bit more? A bunker or something to survive underground when people are first immediately scorched on the surface? I will also put forth that he has a magic ring. Which he does? Copious amounts of, yes. Which summons copious amounts of food. If for some reason in the preliminary days of melancholia approaching, just like how uh, Claire's husband was out searching for supplies, people started looting, rioting. They started, you know, causing chaos because they saw this impending planet. Burger King could feed himself just fine. He has resources, he has a magic ring, so he'd never run out of food, uh, and he has the nobility and mentality to weather any struggle for the name of his people. That is my case, Your Honor. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Are you ready for this All fucking right. rebuttal? You better rebut. This is going to be fucking... Would you like to know the year Burger King was founded? I would. Because it's 1954, when in fact McDonald's was founded in 1955. A year later, which is interesting because Burger King was first, so it wasn't hanging on by a thread against stark competition. It was outdone. Holy 
by McDonald's. It was completely taken over. And yeah, it hung on. It's hanging on. But in the face of competition, it shies away. As we have seen in this in this beautiful free market that I hate. I mean love. <laughs> so, that's my my first point. Second point. A king with resources, sure. A bunker, sure. When the earth dissolves, does it matter? No. But let's assume he can live a little tiny bit longer, and he's got a ring that can make food, right? Can you please tell me what happens when there is no atmosphere, when there is no planet, and you make infinite food? What do you do? What do you do with that? Do you you eat the food standing on nothing, floating in space, nowhere to even to void yourself from? Or everywhere to void yourself because you're nowhere. Because you're in the void. There is so you're no pretty poop into this. So you're pretty poop into this. Okay. So that's just kind of. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. <clears throat> it's crazy to me that you think, as per your own words, a struggling kingdom eclipsed by McDonald's has the resources to deal with an apocalypse. Because if they've been struggling for so long, wouldn't he put those resources to better use, perhaps to making the kingdom thrive maybe one day in the future? And if not, wouldn't that mean that his poor decision-making has led to the downfall of his empire and his kingdom? In which cases, both of them would mean... He's not well-equipped to handle the apocalypse. Nay, not even a little bit. Not when what a guy in his heroic stature has devoted himself to protecting the way of life as we know it in perpetuity. Thank you, Ron. You, How much time do you I have? Do? You have How one minute to rebut the rebuttal. One minute. Aaron, I hear your point. Your toxic point. <laughs> about Burger Ad King's homonym? success. You let me speak, sir. I'd like to reclaim my time. <laughs> my point was never that Burger King was the most successful chain out there, Morgan. My point was that in the face of an opponent who had gripped the market, unlike so many other fast food chains that were put out of business, Burger King has survived and thrived. I'll admit, Burger King is a second to McDonald's. But it has earned its right to stay there by surviving through the years of McDonald's onslaught, through the burger wars. <laughs> Second, you want to talk about atmosphere. Where the fuck is it <laughs> in what a guy's superpowers that he don't need no atmosphere? Because he's going to be on the surface. He's not preservationist. He preserves flavors and people. But as a hero, you can't preserve yourself in that way and in, in those ideals. Burger, sure, being in a bunker will only save that little bit more time. But he'll be in a bunker preserving himself while water water guys up on the surface trying to take action, trying to save people, putting himself in harm's way. As cowardly as that may seem, Burger King has always been a preservationist kind of chain. How much time do I have left? You're done. Okay. I rest my case. I think that's it, right? Yeah. Well, these are uh, these are some very good arguments that have been put forth. Something that was not said explicitly by Aaron but that I think is uh, something that I take issue with in Ron's rebuttal to Aaron 
is Ron's rebuttal to Aaron seems to be mostly based around the idea that what a guy being a superhero will try to save other people. When in fact, if I recall what, what a guy stands for, not once does it mention people. It mentions <laughs> preserving freshness and something else and the Whataburger way. Flavor. <laughs> so yes. I think it's entirely possible that what a guy, since really he is only a corporate tool serving to further the legacy of Whataburger, would just Conjecture. would just fly off to another Conjecture. planet and start another Conjecture. Whataburger chain. Now, with no ingredients. Hey now, hey now, no hey now. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming okay, my I'm sorry, time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Your Honor. Your Honor, I'm sorry. Your Honor. Thank I'm sorry. you. Now I will say that speaking of conjecture, it seems there was some major conjecture on Aaron's point as to the extent of what a guy's power. His only proof for him being able to fly that he has a cape. I I. Now, on one hand, I admire the uh, the imagination at play, but on the other hand, you have no evidence. Now, Ron, yeah, you made a very strong case for Burger King. See, we have two different approaches here. Aaron thinks that what a guy will actually survive this apocalypse through use of his powers. Which are, to be fair, conjecture. Ron is making a case that the Burger King will survive longer. That the which I did make allowances for at the beginning, that it's not necessarily about surviving this apocalypse, it's about lasting it out for longer and being more well equipped to deal with the psychological consequences of the apocalypse. However, I don't have a however. Um, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> Burger, <laughs> Burger King. Now, I will say that in Aaron's rebuttal, there was this idea that Burger King has been so vastly outclassed by McDonald's that the 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 way in which Burger King has really paled in comparison to McDonald's, despite having started first, is evidence of the Burger King's weakness as a monarch. Now... <laughs> now, perhaps if you were to speak on a global level, then perhaps I would agree that McDonald's outperforms Burger King. But I feel that McDonald's has taken a dip lately, and I think Burger King has risen to the challenge and I feel that they are really more of equals at this point in our great nation's history. So I feel that the idea that Burger King has been so outclassed by its competitor is a shaky foundation on which to build your rebuttal. Um, so it's a, this is a tough choice that I have here because on one hand we have a monarch that is not going necessarily going to survive this apocalypse. Now, a point that Ron did not bring up so that I cannot take it into consideration, but possibly the Burger King's wealth might allow him to make, say, a ship. I said that. Did you say that he might make a ship with which he could get off the world? I... No, you said a bunker. 
How is that not conjecture that, that he has a bunker and mine is not conjecture? Well, it is not conjecture I that mean, the Burger is... King has wealth. Yeah. He is but... a monarch. Therefore, yeah. he has the resources with which to build a bunker, which is much, I have to say, in all seriousness, Aaron, that is much less conjecture than saying somebody can fly <laughs> because they have a cape. I have a cape <laughs> literally in my closet cape. and I cannot fly. So. Yeah, but he's a superhero. Not all superheroes can fly. You ever heard of Spidey? All the ones, all the ones who have capes can fly. Batman can't fly. He can glide. In some ways, in some editions, he can fly. <laughs> so right. I cannot take into officially take into consideration the idea that Burger King could use his wealth to build uh, an ark of sorts <laughs> that he could use <laughs> with which to flee the planet. Um. Tough. This is tough. Because on one hand, we have conjecture, but that is founded in some ideas of what a superhero is. I like the idea that what a guy, as a purely corporate symbol, cares nothing for human life and would just leave. That That's not the argument he made, though. If you don't take into account the arguments I didn't make that you thought of, you can't do that for Aaron. <sighs> I did. I did say he would leave and find. I did, he did say he would say leave. He did not okay. explicitly did say, say the motivations. Okay. But I think we can. Okay. Yeah, I, said, I think we can yeah. logically assume that based on the fact that he would just leave the planet, that he does. That Aaron's argument is that he does not hold value for human life. And your argument in your rebuttal was that because he is a superhero, he does, which I don't know is necessarily true. Aaron clarifying question did you not say he would go to melancholia i said not i uh, i went with your rebuttal that he would save that he would try to save the people in my initial argument i said he would leave and try to start the whataburger foundation somewhere else so All right. it's hard because you you said something that i should have said was wrong outright <laughs> But instead I said, but he wouldn't die because that's not what that, that's not the kind of hero he he wouldn't lay down his my ultimate point in that one was that he wouldn't lay down his life because that's not the kind of hero he is. But my very first point was that he would he would say, you know, if this fucking thing is gonna destroy the planet, I'm I'm out. <laughs> I'm starting Whataburger somewhere else All and right. protecting it there. <laughs> I have I have come I have come to my decision. I've come to my decision, and it's not one that I make lightly. I make this decision despite things that I want for myself deeply and personally <laughs> in my heart. And when I say that I want this deeply and personally in my heart, what I mean is that I want Ron to lose, but I have to give it to Ron. Because <gasps> here's my reason. Here's my reason. Here's my reason. Ron accepted what I had set out explicitly at the beginning of this challenge, which is that the your mascot does not actually need to survive the apocalypse. They simply have to survive for longer and be able to deal with the apocalypse better. Aaron took the leap, which I admire, to saying that their mascot would actually survive the apocalypse. But in taking that leap, they also took a leap in assuming powers for what a guy that have not been established within the canon. 
So There's for those no reasons, for Burger King. I have to give it to Burger King and I have to give it to Ron, which means that Ron is up by two. Ron, Ron is the undisputed champion so far. You know what happens when I Google Burger King bunker? Nothing. It's not a thing. That's conjecture, okay? Completely false. Aaron, well argued. I really thought no, it was no, going to no. go to you. It was a tough choice. This is, the second, this is the second time it should not have gone to you, and it did. We got we to gotta find Ron a worthy opponent. That's, I mean, I don't know. No, they're all worthy opponents. That's true. We that have both been worthy. It has been a tough choice. It was. It really was a tough choice. I really wanted it to be what a guy, mainly for the reason of wanting him to just not care about humanity at all and go and start a Whataburger what? chain on a different planet. But I was ready for you to say what a guy won. I was. I it was, was very close. It was very, very, very close. Good debating with you, Aaron. Aaron's Aaron's man. Do you remember when I said? <laughs> You don't think this will make a rift in our family? <laughs> when did you say that? See, I said it quiet enough so that I could I could come back, all right? Because unlike what a guy, I always have a plan B. Jeez, he and on that note, it's time for the unkillable being. <laughs> okay, so Aaron. The unkillable being. Uh, Morton, you want to do it? Uh, sure. So, Aaron, the unkillable being is a uh, is a being that we are creating episode by episode. We each pick a trait uh, to imbue the being with that will help them survive the apocalypse in that particular movie. The hope being that as we add these traits, eventually we will end up with a being that will be able to survive any apocalypse, no matter what. Yeah. Um, a uh, couple of caveats. First, uh, nothing too OP. If we just straight up say immortal, then damn, you know. my first one was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna wish for more wishes. <laughs> Second rule is it's got to make sense within the logic of the movie. So this is pretty much our world. So I, I feel weird choosing things that aren't in the movie, but they fit the logic of the world. So if we have to, we can kind of go outside the purview of what we literally see in the movie. Um, okay. There are three of us, but we can collaboratively think, collaboratively think of the two traits. Uh, and here, I'll read off. We have a lot. And since you're here as a guest, I'll actually read them all out. Normally, I've just been reading the last three episodes. I want to um, hear them, though. <laughs> all right. So, Aaron, what it has so far is a pet pug, basic what? computer skills. <laughs> it made sense. It really did. <laughs> for That's actually okay, for one of the ones the that machines. makes the most sense. Most sense, yeah. Oh. Okay. For Mitchells versus the Machines, it's a pet pug and basic computer skills. For Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's a good poker face and a $50 Starbucks gift card. For Love and Monsters, it's a sketchbook and colored pencils and good marksmanship. For Don't Look Up, it's infiltration skills and a successful EP. For the movie Finch, <laughs> it's a 1984 Fleetwood Southward and an album collection of 10 cassette tapes. Uh -huh. For everything, everywhere, all at once, it's a kung fu pinky and kindness. For if if there are some of those where you're like, uh huh, it was Morgan, it was Morgan, and I've been fighting him on them because every time he's like, we need a goofy I want a one, silly one. <laughs> For Greenland, it's a pilot's license and a rifle. Boring. For Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, it's a loudspeaker system and a pair of Timberland boots. 
for Anna and the Apocalypse, it's a candy cane sword and an inflatable pool. An audience, we did the day after tomorrow, but Morden and I didn't record it, so we can't remember right now what we gave him. A oh, very, very oh. strong parka. <laughs> yes, we said Arctic Gear and something oh, else. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. It was. Yeah, Arctic Gear was one of them. Anyway. anyway. Uh, for Melancholia. Arctic Gear and a Starburst that has 10,000 calories. <laughs> <laughs> so that they can... And books! We said books, books right? I yeah, now. books. We said books. That's it. I'm the memory jogger. It's <laughs> <me>. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Morden. Uh, we need two traits for the uncoupled being to survive Melancholia. Pretty hard conversation. Therapy! Planet, <laughs> I thought about suggesting a therapist. I thought about it. What's, a, what's a, an SSRI? Um. <laughs> so I'm thinking about going about this in a, in a pure escape the world way. Mm. So like Tony Stark levels of engineering skills. Can we? That is something within the can, world. Does that feel like it would actually exist? Is the thing. So I, I'm happy to get there, but I would love if we can find two, that fit this movie. Yeah. Like the vibe of it as well. So if we can't think of stuff, I'm happy to go engineering space. Yeah. But I would love okay. for us to hear it and go. That's a mel- melancholia trait. Um, nihilism. <laughs> no, they already have kindness. <laughs> 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 They're a kind nihilist. They're a positive nihilist. That's a thing. Positive nihilism is a thing. How does it help them survive the so apocalypse? The, well, then, again, here is the question with this one. Is that are we really gonna, in the same way with the 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 mascot uh, showdown, what was the name of that segment? <laughs> Who wants to review. be a Oh, there you go. Review, review. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> With this movie, are we willing to make the the adjustment that they don't necessarily need to survive the apocalypse? They just need to deal with it well? This is for the I, unkillable being. Yeah. They gotta survive it. I have okay, so so there's magical It is surreal. Can, there's surreal elements can, in this film. Yeah. I think we can agree that this is not a one-to-one of our world. Okay. Because she knew the beans, all right? How did she know the beans? All right. I'm with you. Okay. When, I'm, when, I'm, so when am I going to lose you? <laughs> <laughs> we can introduce that there is a higher power of some sort. So, uh, sorry, Aaron. Let me just real quick just break down what you're saying here, which is that since since Kirsten Dunst could identify the number of beans yeah. in a jar, within the universe of this movie, there is a god. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Fine, 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 fine. That's all I'm back. <clears throat> because she knew the amount of beans, let's assume that there are other people in this world that have similar kind of weird abilities, kind of weird skills. Things that they shouldn't be able to do, but can. And it's not that weird. One guy doesn't have to go to the bathroom in the mornings, ever. Something like that, right? But the guy. The trend you started with assuming superpowers for what a guy is really continuing here. (laughs) I will stand by that for the rest of time. The guy 
that survives. Oh god, there's something it's like so specific too. He can't it's like that thing. Uh he can't die. He's, <laughs> he's immortal. No, 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 hold on, hold on. He can't it's like it's like in Wonder Woman, right? Until you renounce or uh, or um what what is it like you literally can't die until you you use the wish or something like that? Mm-hmm. Rick and Morty. Oh, that was Rick and Morty? Yeah. Fuck. You know, we don't actually have to do this. But I do kind of think it would be hilarious. I think the thing that we could do that would be most appropriate for this movie, if we really want to pay tribute to this movie, is Mm -hmm. to say that there are no possible traits (laughs) that somebody could use to get out. This entire movie was hopeless and miserable. If we really (laughs) want to pay tribute to it, then we just skip the unkillable Billy traits for for this movie. But then Ooh. it's not an unkillable being, because then they'll visit this universe and die. Aaron, I got you it. I got what? it. I got it. This person, if we want to match this movie, this person was ready to die in the very similar way. And because of that, they don't get to. How? I'll, I'll explain it in a second. But <laughs> the nature of this trait is that they were ready for it, and because there is no happy ending, the end result is that they are floating through the void of space because they cannot get what they want ever. Perhaps we so change our definition saying, of survival. Well, before we to do what? that, Aaron, you're saying you want to if we let you guest on this episode and you come in and you say, I'm going to make this thing suicidal. I want to jump in on this because I think there's something here, which is that I think it's not about being suicidal. It's about being at peace with the concept of death. They do not fear death. One yep. of the traits could be that they do not fear death. And therefore... Yep. If we are to just nudge our concept of survival a bit, they are they they are at peace. Even if they do what die, do they are at peace. But they can't die. That's I'm not so sure about that one. <laughs> well, hold on. How is it an unkillable? Be- okay, here's I said I'll get back to it later. Now it's later. We're gonna get back to it. How do they survive? Check this out. <laughs> when the ast when the when the when melancholia hits, there was a two by four that was propped up by a wedge that the person was walking on. Melancholia hit like a seesaw, it flung the person into deep space. You're doing fan fiction, bro. You're getting into fan fiction. <laughs> he loved that. Look at that. He loves that. <laughs> Can you imagine a planet hitting another planet and, and someone setting on a two by four? <laughs> just total cartoon <laughs> physics. Um, y'all, how do you survive I'm... this fucking movie? It's so hopeless. I I'm saying engineering genius because I can't think of another way. Realistically, like you got to build a rocket ship to fly off. Well, I would. I'm cool. With, I would almost want us to lean into the point you made, Aaron, of like the slightly magical realism type thing going on here, like not to make it a magic power, but something kind of off. I don't know. 
<laughs> so if this being I like them you, not fearing death, even yeah. as one of the traits. I, yeah, I like that one. I just want to give them like a tangible one. So okay, but for now, let's say, um, what's like a concise way to say that? They have I'll a cape, say, which means they can. <laughs> they are no. they are at peace with the concept of dying. Doesn't okay at peace. <laughs> Zen. <laughs> at peace with death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good luck, Marina, our illustrator. <laughs> Uh, and a cape and all its implications. No. Um, <laughs> yes. No. I mean, okay, I'm going to say this one just to see if it sparks any ideas with you guys. It didn't actually do anything. But Justine, to comfort Leo, said the magic cave thing. So what if the magic cave actually worked? But how that... would that be in the in the theme of this movie? Yeah. And yeah, the, th- the, the reason I said what I said with the um the borderline suicidal thing this there cannot be a happy ending in this universe well the unkillable being may need to want it all to end <laughs> but they still need a way to survive so here's here yeah what, but that that's the unhappy let's ending. actually go back into logic a bit right so in this <laughs> okay in this, all right, in this universe in this universe right this planet is coming towards earth we know that this planet is coming towards Earth. The people in this movie all know this planet is coming towards Earth for a while. Like, it's a while. Like, we don't know exactly how long everybody's known, but I would say it's at least been, like, months, if not longer. But the scientists are saying that it won't actually hit Earth. So perhaps we need to go b- further back in the timeline of this movie. Maybe something to do with the model predicting where the planet is going to hit. Because if they had known that the planet for sure was going to hit, then perhaps some sort of action could be taken. So you're not looking for a way to survive the apocalypse. You're looking for a way to avoid it now. Yeah, well, it seems like the only way to avoid it in this universe is to get off planet is to like get in a That's spaceship and in order to do that but in or but in order to even know that you have to do that you have to be able to calculate the mathematical model correctly to know that the planet is going to collide i think engineering master is a is a wide net to cast for math skills to be included as well that's true that's true um aaron i think you might like this one it builds off of engineering master a planet gun. No! You you shoot the gun and it blows up. I resign planet. in I, protest. <laughs> I thought about that, but you see. <laughs> the amount of times Rod has tried to get us to do a planet gun or, or a comet gun. There's... If we want to be realistic, that's not going to happen. You're not, <laughs> you're not going to nuke the planet that's a hundred times bigger than earth to the effect that it won't affect earth apocalyptically well but you know what you could do which is like the actual plan in real life if an asteroid is on its way to hit us is not to destroy the asteroid redirect it it's to redirect it but how do you how does one do that you hit it with a rocket and you knock it off course more than that 
more than that. <laughs> this planet is huge, though. Yeah. So, so what we would actually have to do would be to move Earth. <gasps> we can't do that. If exactly, that if sounds like Earth, that sounds like the the, the the like pivotal line in a trailer for the worst movie you've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> what we actually need to do is move Earth. <laughs> is move the Earth. Coming in, I'm, coming in June. Earth mover. The sequel to the day Roland the Eric. Earth stood still. I'm warming to engineering <laughs> skills. How are you feeling, Morgan? I'm warm. And about the trait? How do you feel about the trait? <laughs> I'm warm. I've been warmed. Okay. So engineering master, advanced engineering degree. How do we want to say this? The top engineer in the world. Top World's engineer. number one engineer. Is that too OP? I mean, this is an OP disaster. Yeah. How do you guys want to make an unkillable being without anything OP at all? That's exactly how I want. I want to. I want just. This, I want to pet pug our way into invincibility. <laughs> think about this, Morgan. We're giving the unkillable being just knowledge. They don't even have right now the resources necessarily. Like we haven't even given them like a toolbox or anything. Okay. All right. All right. Number one engineer, and at well, not just engineer. The utmost authority on engineering. I'm going to say engineering master. Engineering master you cool with who that? is at peace Spider-Man? with death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for this movie? Please. For this movie? Yeah, 100%. I like that. Yeah. Okay. The traits for the unkillable being this week are locked in. What are they again? At peace with death. <laughs> and engineering master. <laughs> You, what is the source of Love your power? It. I Great. can do math and Good. I don't care about dying. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is not a death wish. This is just at peace yeah. with the concept of dying. That is how uh, you survive Lars world. <laughs> that is how you survive Lars von Trier. <laughs> you fucking Nazi. <laughs> I'm going to put Wagner for the closing credits for this episode. (laughs) Another Uh, anti-Semite. Interesting. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into Apocalypse Now. And uh, thank you, Aaron, so much for joining us for this episode. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Happy to be here. Just remember that what a guy was snubbed today. (laughs) I'm Morgan. I'm Ron. I'm Aaron. 